Welcome to the new Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. Over the next half hour, Docs in a Pod will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Audrey Barria and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. And now here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Audrey Barria. Well, we're delighted to have you join us on Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-hosts are off today, and so it is just me. Gives me the pleasure of talking with Dr. Vincent Mamone. Uh, Dr. Mamone is a provider at WellMed at Sebastian, located in Sebastian, Florida. He earned his doctorate of osteopathy from Nova Southeastern University in Broward County, Florida. He completed his residency at the University of Florida, their hospital in Gainesville. Dr. Mamone is board certified in family medicine. And Dr. Mamone, thanks for joining us on Docs in a Pod. Thank you. It was my pleasure to be here and talk with you today. We're going to talk a little bit about breast cancer risk assessments and screenings. But before they, we do that, uh, folks listening, uh, I'm sure caught Sebastian, Florida, when I introduced you. And uh, they're wondering uh, whether Hurricane Ian proved to be a problem where you live. So we're on the East Coast called the Treasure Coast of Florida. And so we got the tail end of the hurricane as it was leaving the state. And essentially, we just suffered some power outages and a lot of debris. You know, there's some trees down and so forth, but no, no ca casualties as far as I'm aware of and no major destruction, just some inconvenience. But we got through it. Now, for a guy who was uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, spent a lot of time in Massachusetts, what brought you to Florida? Well, my family, actually, my family moved to Florida when I was in high school. So I actually graduated high school um, in Florida, down in Lake Worth, Florida, South Florida, and, and then moved up north to go to college in Boston and then moved back down to Florida for medical school. And I've been in Florida ever since. And obviously you like it or you wouldn't have stayed. Definitely. Most definitely. Well, talk to us. And I'm delighted to take up this topic, breast cancer risk, diagnosis, assessment, screening. And while we think of breast cancer as only a woman's issue, talk as well about men and the risk of breast cancer. Well, men obviously can get breast cancer as well. And, um, you know, when you look at the risk for breast cancer, it's not just for female. In fact, a male relative that has had breast cancer is a risk factor for any family member to, to have breast cancer. So when you are assessing the risk for breast cancer, um, you look at one of those factors, such as could it be in a male relative as being um, highly suggestive that you need to get screened in a little bit different way than the general population. How do you screen men and how do you screen women for breast cancer? It's really history. I mean, you, you know, obviously men don't menstruate, they don't have children. So you don't use that factor as one of the risk factors, but it's really family history of you know, relatives that have had cancer, um, you know, either breast cancer or ovarian cancer. And so getting a complete history um, for that is probably the most important part of looking at the risk for any patient, whether it's male or female, um, and, and we're also talking about, you know, patients that are not necessarily assigned female or assigned male at birth, that you have to think about the transgender population, and you have to think about uh, other non-binary population, that they're at risk as well. And 
So you have to ask the questions. And most of us are familiar uh, with mammograms as a way to screen women. Are they used for men as well? They actually are. I mean, it's a little bit more difficult to do, but they are. But men aren't necessarily screened. There's no recommendations necessarily to screen men. I mean, there are recommendations for women unless they're at high risk and you do a risk assessment, um, like I said, in all patients. And then the way that you get screened is a little bit different compared to, you know, um, as far as what your actual risk is. Um, but there aren't, there, there aren't general recommendations that I'm aware of for the general male population. It's only if you have a high risk and um, obviously if you felt something, if you, you know, were doing a breast exam in a male and you felt something, then you evaluate that. But the general male population is not recommended to get screened with mammograms like the general female population is. Well, for women, I know for a period of time, there were some questions about how frequent and when mammograms should be given. Where are we now on use of mammograms for women? Well, it kind of depends on different medical societies that you look at because the American Cancer Society has recommendations, the American College of OBGYN, they have recommendations, the USPTF, which um, is, has recommendations and they're not the same. And so it depends on who you follow. So you really have to look individually at the patient and kind of decide what's best for that patient to get them screened and obviously have the conversation. Um, but they are, the age to start is different with those different um, organizations and how often you do them is different with those different organizations. So it kind of depends. Um, some doctors might just follow what the American Cancer Society recommends and use that across the board. Obviously, if you're OBGYN, you're probably following the, the OBGYN recommendations, but, but not always. So it kind of depends on uh, who you're following. But like I said, I think you need to kind of take it on an individual basis, patient by patient, um, because there's going to be a patient maybe younger than what the American Cancer Society recommends that maybe wants to get screened and you start to screen them. Um, but assessing their risk is really the first thing to do. And that's at any age. I mean, you can start, you know, in your 20s to look at risk um, as far as the of developing cancer during your lifetime. All right, we're going to pick this up some more in just a moment. But for folks who may have just joined us, I want you to know that uh, you're listening to Docs in a Pod presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-hosts are out of, under the weather and are not with us today. We're talking with Dr. Vincent Mamone. He is a doctor of osteopathy. You find him at the WellMed Clinic at Sebastian, Florida. And we're talking about breast cancer risk assessments and screenings. Uh, one of the things that uh, I discovered a couple of years ago, uh, Dr. Mamone, when, when a friend of ours was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had no family history at all it's that uh, while genetics can play a role, uh, many, many breast cancers are not due to family history. Uh, an individual may simply develop breast cancer. Right. And so in that instance, in that patient, just the routine screening um, hopefully is would be recommended. So dependent on how old you are and- She discovered it through a self-exam. And that's how most, I think about 50% of breast cancers are probably self-discovered. 
But like you know, usually if you do undergo routine screening, there's going to be patients that in between their screenings that they might develop cancer. So it's important to be diligent to, to make sure that you continue to get screened appropriately. But you're right. Not everybody has a, a, a risk factor for breast cancer and they still have risk, still have cancer. What's um, your feeling about self-exam? Because again, uh, th there's been a lot of controversy about whether people should do it, whether it's helpful, whether it's something you should do regularly. Well, where do you come down on that? Well, if you look at what the different uh, screening guidelines, they for the most part they don't recommend against. Uh, they don't recommend doing regular self breast exams. I don't say not to, but if the benefit of it is not has not been demonstrated. So, um, again, there are some some of the societies they do recommend you still screen yourself, you know, regularly every month by doing a self breast exam. But I, but a lot of the uh, other medical societies, they do not necessarily recommend that as being a way to, to hang your hat, so to speak on, okay, everything's okay, because I don't feel anything this month. But that doesn't suggest not doing it. Doesn't suggest not doing that's right. It, it certainly doesn't harm you. The importance of that is getting a female, getting to know what their breasts normally feel like. And so doing that regularly, they're, you know, this is what my breasts normally feel like. So when there's a change in how they feel, that's something that can hopefully alert, okay, wait a second, we need to look into this a little bit and prompt a visit maybe to a provider and maybe get you know evaluated with some imaging studies. So, you know, that's certainly the benefit. I would never tell a woman not to do self-breast exams. It's just when they looked at studies, there wasn't a, a lot of benefit to doing that as far as catching cancers. Um, but like we said, 50% of women find them on, on themselves. So that must mean that they must have checked themselves, right? Well, in my friend's case, I, it wouldn't have been discovered until uh, perhaps she went for her mammogram that she had cancer. I, so that's, that's, that's the scary part of it, right? Just you know, there, there are a number of patients who in between getting imaging done, that that's when they develop cancer. Exactly. Or at least it's detected. Now, are, are there different kinds of breast cancers? Some that uh, I'm thinking of prostate cancer, for example, uh, which very often is a very, very slow growing cancer, but not always. What about breast cancers? Are there some that are slow growing, some that are fast? I mean, there are, you know, different in, in some cancers are more invasive than others. Depends, you know, there's ductal cancer and there is other cancers. So uh, there's, you know, when you have cancer, obviously you, that gets diagnosed by a biopsy and then other, you know, tissue studies are done as, as far as looking for hormone receptors and so forth. So, um, but from imaging, you don't know that you don't know by, doing an image, you know, this is an aggressive cancer or not an aggressive cancer. You know the location of it, but I don't necessarily think you know the the, the sensitivity of that particular cancer without now, doing as, some tests. As a well-med physician, you're seeing predominantly patients who are age 65 and over. Uh, and, and the assumption that many make, which is wrong, is that, well, they're not really at risk for breast cancer at that age. Well, actually, the risk increases as you get older. And so it's actually more likely that you're going to have cancer as you age. And, you know, that's a difficult situation. You know, when you have patients who come in and say, well, no one in my family had cancer. 
and I'm 68 and I haven't gotten it yet, so I must not be at risk. Well, that's unfortunately, that's not the case. You certainly are at risk just from aging. And as you age, your risk increases. And for your patients, uh, do you recommend a, a, a yearly mammogram? So it depends on the, the medical society. I, I do recommend annual. Um, some women don't want to do them that frequently. And after 55, uh, according to the American Cancer Society, you can do a mammogram every two years. It's appropriate after the age of 55 to do one every two years. So it's like I said, I take that on an individual basis. There's women that are very anxious. Maybe they have a friend who had breast cancer. And so they they are they want to get their, their screenings done annually. And then there's patients who you have to really encourage them to get them even every two years. So, I mean, I think individually you have right. to look at each, each patient, what they're comfortable with doing. And, and again, looking at the risk, I mean, if they have a sister that had breast cancer and a mother that had breast cancer, I, I don't necessarily think waiting two years, whether you're 55 or older is probably the best thing to do. All right, stay with us just a minute. We're gonna come right back to you. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking down in Sebastian, Florida with Dr. Vincent Mamone. He is a doctor of osteopathy, a DO, and we're talking about breast cancer, diagnosis, treatment, risk, et cetera, all of that coming your way on Docs in a Pod. Hi, it's Drew Pearson from my friends at WellMed. As a Hall of Famer, I love it when a quarterback and receiver have a great connection. You can be part of a great connection too. Connecting WellMed's high-quality healthcare with the highest-rated Medicare Advantage plan helps you focus on staying healthy. Call 210-436-6005 or visit wellmedhealthcare.com slash connect. Drew Pearson is a paid spokesperson. Other plans are accepted. For full enrollment details, visit medicare.gov. We're so pleased you are sticking with us on Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-hosts are under the weather, not with us today. So I am flying solo with our special guest, Dr. Vincent Mamone. He is a, a, a doctor of osteopathy at the WellMed at Sebastian Florida Clinic, and we're delighted to have him on board. But Dr. Mamone, we've been talking about breast cancer, diagnosis, and treatment. Uh, let's talk about treatment. When uh, breast cancer is diagnosed, uh, what are your next steps? Well, it depends on where the the studies came from. So obviously, as primary care, we are doing probably ordering most of the mammograms that our patients are having. And so when there's an abnormal mammogram, obviously, we have to evaluate that further. That usually involves um, either a different type of a mammogram and then sometimes a biopsy. And so we individually either send patients to surgeons for biopsies or sometimes they're done through radio through the radiology departments at either outpatient facilities or through the hospital. And so once we get results back um, from a pathology, you know, after a biopsy is done, you know, we refer the patient. That's primary care. We don't necessarily take care of the patient specifically for their breast cancer. We refer them then obviously to an oncologist and they kind of kind of take over after that. Um, but we certainly try to stay involved as much as we can um, throughout the course of a, of a patient who's undergoing treatment, uh, whether it be surgery or chemo or radiation or all of the above. And, and how, how good 
meaning successful are our treatments these days? Well, the cure rates are, have really improved. Um, it depends, I believe, on how early a, a cancer is caught, you know, whether or not how, it's, if it's metastatic um, and how easily a patient is able to access, you know, follow-up care. You know, I mean, we live in an area where there are oncologists that are, you know, fairly local, but there are some patients who live a little bit more rural and it's difficult for them to either be traveling for treatments or, you know, radiation, which is done every day. That's a difficult thing for a patient to travel, you know, for an hour or so or further to, to for treatment. So it's sometimes difficult. And from your standpoint as a primary care physician, how closely are you able to track your patient's treatment? Well, most of the oncologists that we work with here in the Sebastian area communicate well with us. So every time a patient is seeing them, they're communicating with us, you know, how they're doing. They obviously do blood tests pretty regularly. They send us results of blood tests. Um, you know, there are some, you know, obviously some complications that sometimes patients get referred to their primary care doctor to deal with such as certain infections or local effects of uh, radiation or chemotherapy. And sometimes we see patients not because uh, for, for that reason, but because they maybe have difficulties accessing their oncologist to get, you know, maybe a medication for nausea, or maybe they might need an antibiotic. And so it's sometimes a lot easier to access their primary care doctor or provider in order to get the care that they need. So and, we, no, go ahead. we try to work hand in hand, you know, and, and work together, you know, with our specialists to, to help patients get through that. And then, and then emotionally, obviously patients, it's a, you know, it, it's very difficult to go through treatments. It, it not only affects the patient, but then their significant others and their families, which many times those are patients as well are patients of ours. And so, you know, we get to do what family practice doctors do, which is pretty much take care of everybody that this disease can affect within a family unit. And as you said earlier, uh, as you age, your risk of breast cancer actually increases. So you may have patients who, who have a number of other uh, medical problems as well, dealing with uh, whatever those might be. You may have patients, for example, uh, who are in nursing homes or patients uh, who are uh, struggling with just the daily activities of life. Uh, how do those patients do when breast cancer is diagnosed? How how successful can treatment be? Well, certainly you have to take all that into account. And so obviously if there is a, if there's a patient with severe, you know, cardiac disease and they're going to be getting a, a chemotherapy agent that might be toxic to their heart, um, you may not, you may choose a different agent. That's obviously in the, the realm of what the oncologists do, but so, so certainly something that you have to take into consideration. And so, yeah, that's where we kind of work together with, with, supplying the oncologist with all the information they need with the patient's medical history and medical problems in order so that they may do what they need to do to take care of that appropriately. Uh, and when starting with the first diagnosis, uh, perhaps uh, finding something on a mammogram that is concerning, are, are you the one who breaks that news to the patient or do you send them to an oncologist for that? No, if we order a study, we follow up all of our own studies. So 
uh, I would always, if I ordered a test that's abnormal, always have the patient come in, discuss the results. Um, you know, if it's a if it's before a biopsy and we really can't tell them specifically, we can say it looks like this to kind of prepare the patient emotionally for what might be coming down the road. But um, ne I never turf that to someone else to give bad news. It's if I was taught, if you, you deserve the results of every test that you order. And so that you have to deal with the results that you order, whether they're good or bad or what have you. So um, yeah, I always result re, and, and have to be very straightforward. If you do a, a pathology or a biopsy and it's cancer, you know, I straight out tell the patient, this is cancer and the type of cancer it is and what to expect when they're going to see their, the specialist, the oncologist, and what kind of evaluation they might have next and what to expect with, with certain types of treatments, you know, just kind of educate them it, before their visit with the specialist. So they, they kind of know what to expect. I mean, a lot of older patients, unfortunately have some experience because they know somebody or they have a relative who's been through treatment before. And so sometimes that's a good thing in that they kind of know what to expect. And sometimes it's not such a good thing because they think that their experience might be what maybe their neighbor's experience was. Maybe right. it was not a good experience. Yeah. They hear death sentence. Right. They hear that sentence or they hear how sick they were with chemo or or someone that got severely burned with radiation treatments. And then they don't want to go there. And um, I always tell patients to, to go in with an open mind when they when they're very hesitant to go to, to see the specialist about getting the recommendations from the oncologist about what the treatments are before you decide that you do not want to be treated for it. Talking with Dr. Vincent Mamona. Doctor of Osteopathy at the WellMed Clinic in Sebastian, Florida, and Doctor Mamone, as you deal with this older population, it's certainly possible that some of those patients who may have been diagnosed with breast cancer also are struggling with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. Does that cause a special challenge for you as the PCP? It certainly does because you um, you have to be of sound mind to make a decision about a course of treatment. And so you have to understand all the ramifications of it. Um, and, and whenever you do make a course of treatment, we always look at life expectancy and take in their, their other comorbidities or other medical problems as well as Alzheimer's. But Alzheimer's obviously you know, is a memory impairment and, and a cognitive impairment. And if they don't necessarily understand the ramifications of what they have and what the treatment means, it, it does make it a lot more difficult to, to, to deal with that. In, in fact, uh, sending them for even a biopsy might be uh, somewhat disconcerting for that patient. That's correct. And, and even before we get, I always have the, the conversation before we get to that point about what are we going to do with the result? And I, I approach every test that way. Uh, what are we going to do with the results? So if we do a biopsy and it is cancer, what are we going to do about it? And so some patients would rather not know and say, well, I'm not going to do treatment. I'm not going to have surgery. And so it's, sometimes it's maybe best not to do a biopsy. And, and uh, that's how I approach it. I always look at what are we going to do with the result? If a patient tells me whether they're 80 years old or 85 years old, yes, you know, if they recommended surgery, I would have surgery. If they recommend 
recommended uh, some form of chemo radiation. Yes, I would have chemo radiation. I would always refer that patient to get uh, further evaluated, you know, to a specialist. And for the patient who is not of sound mind, who who can't make that judgment, do you rely if there is a caregiver or a spouse on uh, on making that decision? Certainly, I mean, you have to have the, the family involved, and that's sometimes difficult, um, but not always with a, with a dementia patient to have the family involved um, to help with that decision. Um, there's probably no other way you can do that other than having either the significant other or the, the children or uh, everyone actually involved to, to make the decision about what to do next. It sure argues for a handling end of life and medical powers of attorney uh, to get those paperwork done uh, so that you're able to make those decisions for someone. Most definitely. And having the conversation, I mean, the end of life can mean a lot of things. And, um, you know, having a cancer is a, a particular conversation to have. What if, what if you're 80 years old and you have dementia and you have cancer, regardless breast cancer or any cancer right. that might need to be treated? Would you want to have that treatment done? You know, having that conversation when you're of sound mind to make a, a, an informed decision is, is important. I got to stop you right there. We are flat out of time. Uh, we should pick this up another day. And I look forward to talking to you again, Dr. Vincent Mamone at the Wilma Clinic in Sebastian, Florida. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Docs in a Pod. Executive producers for Docs in a Pod are Dan Calderon and Leah Madrano. Our producer is Isaac Wilker, and associate producers are Natalie Ibarra and Maurice Hudson. Thank you for listening to Docs in a Pod, presented by WellMed. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And be sure and tune in next week for another edition of Docs in a Pod with Dr. Audrey Barria and Ron Aaron.